reaching Israel and the world and the world. Shalom uvracha, peace and blessings to you, beloved ones. Welcome today to Discovering the Jewish Jesus as we continue Cynthia Marjorie, my love, in the book of Romans. We're gonna be focusing today on the battle that all humanity shares. And the battle that we all share is the battle to overcome the desires of the flesh and to overcome the power of sin by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Everyone must engage in this battle if we're going to overcome. And Jesus said, he that overcomes will inherit the paradise of God. We're in a battle. You know, a lot of people think they're on the earth to go on vacation. They're constantly looking to find pleasure. But in reality, we're on earth, not first to find pleasure. This is not our final destination. We're here to overcome. Yeah. What would you, how does that resonate with yeah, you? Yeah, I, I remember a period of time in my life where I didn't know if God was really God. and. I decided that seeking pleasure was what life was all about. And so uh, seeking pleasure in whatever way, you know, whatever way you can get pleasure. But anyone who's been down that road knows that it's a dead end road. It's a dead end road and pleasure isn't what this life's all about. It's about knowing God and coming to understand all that we have to overcome in order to experience the fullness of the God that created us. Beautiful and well said, amen. Shalom uvracha, beloved ones. Peace and blessings once again today from the forests of Colorado. We're continuing our series, journeying through the book of Romans. We're preaching expositorily through the book, meaning that we're starting at the first chapter and going through it. And we're gonna continue today in the seventh chapter. This is now the second episode in season four in this journey through the book of Romans. I hope you'll go back and watch all the other seasons and all the other episodes. Now, last time we were talking about the purpose of the law. And I was commenting on the fact that one of the purposes of the law was to stir up the recognition of our sinful nature. And so listen now as we continue to verse number 12 and 13 of Romans chapter seven. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And then Paul asks, if the law is holy, righteous, and good, what happened? Because I see that it produced a death sentence in me. It caused me to come, become convicted of my sin. It aroused all types of evil passions in me. As I said last time, it's the same concept that stolen fruit is sweet. When somehow we know that something is not to be uh, taken, when we feel that something is off limits, somehow it makes it even more attractive. This is what the law did. It, it, it aroused within man his sinful passion. So therefore, Paul says this in verse 13. Therefore, did that which is good, speaking of the law, become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin. In other words, it wasn't the law that produced the evil. The evil was already there, and all the law did was highlight it. Rather, it was sin, he said, in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. So again, just setting the stage that knowing right from wrong, whether it's through the law 
or through your conscience, knowing something is wrong actually can cause that thing that you uh, would want to resist doing because you know it's wrong, knowing that it's wrong oftentimes makes it even more attractive because the principle of sin lives in us. Let me read it one more time and then we're going to go on. I just want you to understand this is strong theological foundational truth. And we should understand this because Paul is setting the whole stage for the coming and redemption of Messiah by helping us to understand sin, its consequences, and how knowing the difference between right and wrong stirs up sinful desires in us for the purpose of convicting us that there's evil in us and we need a savior, we need deliverance. That's why at at Yeshua's birth, the angel said to Mary, you shall call his name Yeshua and he shall save his people from their sin. So once again, Paul says this in verse number 13, therefore, Did that which is good, speaking of the law, become a cause of death for me? May it never be. He's rebuking any wrong thought about the law, that no one would think the law is a bad thing. It's a good thing. Paul said, may it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, the law is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. It's kind of like um, there's a lot of du- there's a lot of pollen in, in the atmosphere that I'm in right now, and when the sun is really bright, I can actually see the pollen and the dust from the forest in the atmosphere. The pollen and the dust, beloved, it's already in the atmosphere. But when light comes down from the sky, when the sun beams down, I can see all these little particles floating around. That's what the law did. It revealed sin to us. Do you get it? Let's continue on. For we know, in verse number 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into the bondage to sin. Let me say it again. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh. So you think about the law is a spirit, but I'm flesh. I have all these appetites to eat and this and the other that are not necessarily bad, all of them, but the spirit doesn't want to eat an apple. The spirit has no desire to eat a steak or ice cream or a hamburger. Spirit is spirit, but I'm flesh. So I've got all these desires that are not spiritual. So Paul says here, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh. And not only that, Paul says, because we've inherited Adam's fallen nature, we're sold into the bondage to sin. And then Paul goes in to talk about this conflict that he's fighting all the time between these two natures, between his spirit nature, because he's born again and has a recreated spirit through the Ruach HaKodesh, through the very life of God. So he's got the spirit nature, which he wants, which he agrees with, which he wants to follow, which is life to him. But then he also recognizes that he's got this other side to him, his fleshly nature, which is in bondage to sin because it's fallen. And there's this constant battle going on inside him. He's wanting to follow the spirit, but he also senses that he's got this other thing going on in him. He wants these other things that he knows is evil. So that's what he's going to describe now. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. 
But if I do the very thing I did not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. What's Paul saying? He's saying, I have this great hunger and desire to please God. And yet I find myself sometimes not doing those things deep inside that I want to do that please God. But I find myself yielding to the flesh and its corruption. And because I don't want to do these corrupt things, but I'm doing them anyway, I'm in agreement with the law. I know these things are wrong, but I'm in bondage. Lord, deliver me, he's crying out. Save me, strengthen me, so that I stop practicing these things that I know are wrong. Let's continue on. He says, but if I do the very thing I did not want to do, I agree with the law. How is he agreeing with the law? Because he knows that the thing that he's doing is wrong, and he agrees that it's wrong. He's confessing, he says, that the law is good. I know the law is right, but I'm doing this wrong thing. I'm agreeing with the law. So look at number 17. For now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. So he's saying, when I find myself doing these things that I know are in opposition to the Spirit, it's not even me that's doing it, he said, because Deep in my innermost being, I'm a recreated man. I'm a new man. I'm a new creation. I'm born of God. That's who I am. That's who I really am. That's where I'm going into, into this destiny of, of, of heaven. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a spirit man. That's who I am. So when I do these things that are corrupt in accordance with the flesh, that's not even me anymore. It's the principle of evil in my flesh. But that isn't me. I don't identify with that. For I died with Christ and I was raised with him as a new creation. That's part of the old man. That's part of the old life. That doesn't define me anymore. I break that off me. That's not who I am, Satan. You're a liar. I reject that. I reject you. So he says once again, but if I do the very thing I did not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. So in other words, if you're obese, and you've got an addiction to food, but you're born again and you love Jesus and you find yourself overeating or eating a lot of junk food. That isn't you. That, that isn't the real you that's eating those Hostess Twinkies, those donuts, those cupcakes, whatever it is that you're, you know, indulging. And that isn't who you are. That's your flesh. And you need to break off the bondage because that's not who you really are. It's sin, Paul says. He says, so now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Every week I send out a mini devotional called Seeds of Revelation. If you'd like to receive this weekly mini devotional, just go to stayconnectedwithrabbi.com. Now today, during this devotional, I'm going to the book of Romans, chapter number eight, verse 28, a scripture that so many of us have heard, hear the word of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. I just want to encourage you today, beloved one, to know that everything you walk through in life as you're clinging to God, he is using it all for good. In other words, nothing is wasted. Sometimes we have hard days, we go through hard times, and it's easy to think, what a waste, what a waste. But you know what? In the Lord's economy, nothing is wasted. The Bible tells us that the temporary trials that we go through 
are not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory walking through these trials as we're clinging to God is producing in us because beloved one, his power is perfected in your weakness. So I want you to know today that there's a purpose for your existence and for everything that you go through. Keep hanging on to God, keep pressing on, and as you do, have a positive spirit, stay in faith, and practice, beloved, staying in joy. As we grow closer to our Savior's return, there are still millions who have not experienced Him, from Africa to Israel and every corner of the earth. But Rabbi Schneider, through all forms of media and on-the-ground crusades, is reaching the world with inspirational teaching from a Jewish perspective, equipping the church, evangelizing the lost, and pouring into the lives of pastors and leaders around the globe. This could not happen without you, because you are an integral part in sending Him. Is God calling you to help Rabbi proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth? Give at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, speaking of his flesh, that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me. In other words, the spirit is in his heart. He wants to. But the doing of the good is not. He's finding himself being overwhelmed by the power and desires of the flesh. For the good that I want, I do not do. He's really struggling here. He's really, he's, he's talking about the plight of human nature and how we have to overcome the tendency of the flesh. He's not going to end here by saying, well, you know, I'm just going to lose this battle and the flesh is stronger than the spirit. That's not how it's going to end. He's just describing the battle right now. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Let me put it this way. Let's say that the Holy Spirit has put a, a desire in you to exercise, and it's really a Holy Spirit breathed desire he's put in your heart. You know you wanted to exercise. You know that it's good for your body. You feel good when you do it. It's a God-given, breathed desire that you have. But when it's time to exercise, your flesh says no. Like Jesus said to his disciples when he told them to pray, and he went back an hour later and they were sleeping, and Jesus said, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. This is what Paul's describing here. So you know you should exercise, you want to, but you find yourself giving into the desires of the flesh and not doing it. It's this battle between that which is spiritual and good and the nature of the flesh. The good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. We've talked about that. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Isn't this, I mean, there's like this dual nature as human beings. We have to fight to overcome because there's a principle of evil within us. And yet we're not evil because we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, but in our bodies, in our flesh, there is still a principle of evil that we have to overcome. Now, why would God have done this? Why would God have given us this dichotomy in our nature? Because, beloved, he wanted us to overcome. And that's why, as I said earlier, seven times 
In the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, chapters two and three specifically, Jesus said, he that overcomes will inherit this blessing. And then he went ahead and he listed seven different blessings that the one that overcame would receive. He that overcomes will eat from the tree of life or in the paradise of God. He that overcomes will sit down with me uh, next to my father's throne as I overcame and sat down next to his throne. God wanted you and I to have to overcome because it involves our will. It involves our choice. And love is a choice. Love takes effort. That's why Jesus said, what good is it if you can love only your friends? Even evil people know how to love their friends. We love people that love us. We love our friends. And why do we love them? Because we like being around them. It makes us feel good. We like the way it makes us feel. But to love someone that you don't like, to love an enemy, that's supernatural. So Jesus said, I'm not calling you just to love your friends, Gentiles, unbelievers. When, when Sometimes when the scripture uses the term Gentiles, it's not referring to people that were born un-Jewish, but sometimes the scripture uses the term Gentile to define somebody that hasn't been redeemed. So in that particular instance, that's the way I refer to it. Jesus said, even unbelievers love their friends. He said, I'm calling you to a higher standard. I'm calling you to overcome. I'm calling you to love your enemies. And so this is why the Lord has given us this battle to participate in, because it pleases him when we choose life. We have to strive to overcome and do good. We gain something, we receive something. And this is why Yeshua said in the end of the book of Revelations, behold, I come quickly to reward each man according to what he's done. So the more we overcome the flesh, and all the evil desires, the greater our reward will be in the kingdom to come. And this is what God wants to do, reward us. So he put us in this fight so we could receive this reward. And then Paul says, once again, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. So I described all that. We conceptually explained all that's going on here. I'm just continuing to read verses, highlighting what Paul said about this subject, but he doesn't leave it there. So let's conclude today with the last two verses of the book of Romans chapter number seven. Here's where the hope, here's where the victory is. Wretched man that I am, Paul says, he realizes this fight that he's in, that he's losing the battle sometimes, not that he's lost the war, but sometimes he's losing a few of the battles. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God. Here we go, folks. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through Yeshua HaMashiach, the descendant of David, God in the flesh, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other hand, my flesh, the law of sin, but God is gonna give him the victory. Who's gonna give him the victory? Who will set me free? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so he ends on a note of victory in chapter seven. Just because there's a battle going on, it doesn't give someone an excuse to say, well, God knows I'm in this battle, therefore I can you know, just lay down and give up. No, God expects us to overcome. He demands that we overcome. Listen, you've heard me, some of you, share this before, but I love this analogy. 
Maybe you've read a testimony. I'm not sure if you receive this or not or believe it or not, but one testimony that uh, that I read uh, uh, is from a man by the name of Bill Weiss or Weiss. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. He wrote a book called 23 Minutes in Hell. And he talked about when he first got married, he was a very you know strong believer, conservative Christian, committed to God. It was early in his marriage. He woke up in the middle of the night and he got out of bed. His wife was still in bed. He went into the kitchen to get something to drink. And suddenly, out of nowhere, he had some kind of experience where he found himself in hell. And in his book, 23 Minutes in Hell, he describes what it was like there. And he, I can't even go into all the details. It was so wretched. I mean, he said the smell alone in hell, it was like burning sulfur, rotten eggs, a foul feces. He said the worst smells you could ever think of all put together and magnified a thousand times. He said the smell alone was so toxic, it would have killed you. And he talked about or time in his life as a young man when he was out in the ocean surfing one day with some buddies and one of his buddies got attacked by a shark. And if I recall correctly, it even killed his buddy. And then the shark grab a, grabbed a hold of Bill Weiss's leg. And Bill said the terror of that incident was beyond description. But he said the terror in hell, when he experienced hell for 23 minutes, didn't even compare with the terror that he experienced when he was uh, on the ocean in the midst of a shark attack. And when he experienced hell, he, everybody in hell, all they could do is curse God. Nobody in hell praised God. It was impossible. All they could do is curse him. Now compare that with heaven. In heaven, all you have is praise to the Lord. The entire atmosphere of heaven is praise. The, 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 the music is continually praising God. The trees, the flowers, the, the everything is alive and praising God. There's no cursing of God in heaven, only praise, an atmosphere of praise. But on earth, beloved child of his, we have a choice. We can choose darkness or we can choose light. We can choose to praise God or we can choose to deny him and curse him. And we can choose to overcome evil with good, or we can choose to give into the evil, and what we do will determine our destiny. And so we're in between heaven and hell. We have a choice on this earth, and what God has called us to do is to overcome, to overcome sin by the blood of the Lamb and the Spirit of God. And this is why Jesus says in the book of Revelation seven times, he that overcomes will inherit the paradise of God. So I want to encourage you right now, if you need to, to get down on your knees and repent. Maybe you've been thinking you love Jesus, but you've not repented of sin. Loving Jesus involves repentance of sin. And the good news, beloved, of Messiah Jesus is that through him, you can. So Father, we just open our hearts to you right now and we ask you to strengthen us in the love of God and impart to us everything that we need in you to overcome every evil habit in our life. Father, we love you today and we give you praise and we say to God be the glory, great things he had done. 
Beloved, it's important that we put God first in every area of our lives. It concerns me that it seems that so many people today are trying to use God for an experience, but they're not being obedient. I think of many, many people that are going to churches, they love the worship music, but they're not being obedient to God's word. Jesus said, unless a man picks up his cross, denies himself and follows me, he cannot be my disciple. Sacrificial obedience is the only way to truly walk hand in hand with God. This is why it's important how we handle our finances. Going back to the first book of the Bible with Abraham all the way through the New Testament, we see that those that truly walk with God honor him in every area of their lives, including their finances. I wanna just ask you today, if discovering the Jewish Jesus is being used by Father God in your life to be a blessing, would you honor him with your finances through this ministry? Thank you for your love and for your financial support. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Or to give by credit card, visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have honored God with our finances while living, but have we considered how we can honor the Lord with our finances when we pass on? For more information, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. In the book of Numbers chapter six, the Lord gave instructions to Moses and Aaron to speak this blessing over his people. And the Lord said, when you speak these words over my people, I will place my name on them and bless them. Receive the impartation of the Lord's blessings. Yavarech Yahweh Vayishmarecha Yair Yahweh Panavelecha Vihunecha Isa Yahweh Panavelecha Veasim Lecha Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up by his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 
Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Next time on Discovering the Jewish Jesus, Rabbi Schneider elaborates on our relationship with the kingdom of God and how it dwells with us.